It's time for episode 392 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where March goes out like a lamb on the clock. My name is Dan Morin, and joining me across the internet, sitting in for Micah Sargent this week, it is none other than Clockwise host emeritus, Jason Snell. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Is it, are we going out like a lamb? Does that mean we all make sheep noises? Uh, is that what happens? I, I didn't it's bring good my... to be back on Clockwise, Dan Boy. It is good to be back. Yeah, oh, we're, we're happy to have you back. I, I watch the clock all the time, and it doesn't net me anything but but this week finally stay in, stay in the habit it's paying off don't get you out gotta of stay habit. in clockwise shape that's yep. right and clockwise shape means we have two fantastic guests joining us around our round table this week huh? <laughs> shape round got it mm-hmm. to my left it is the business unicorn the co-host of shows such as friends in your ears and roboism right here on relay fm kathy campbell welcome back kathy <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> i blame <laughs> jason here, for everything Yep, yep, it's all Jason's fault, but that's okay, because I'm here with friends. Let's hang out. And uh, to my left, it's Zach Hall, editor of 9to5Mac and founder of the awesome uh, Space Explored. Hi, Zach. Welcome back. Hi. All right. <laughs> We've got... <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. My laugh, is, I, I my laugh is my ba. Yeah, there you go. I can't do it either. I didn't bring, bring my professional sheep noisemaker this time. Uh, all right. Let me kick things off. This week, there are rumors over at 9to5Mac, as a matter of fact, reports that Apple Whoa. is changing the Apple TV remote, revamping it. I want to know what's one change you'd like to see in the remote or alternatively, one thing you hope they keep. Kathy? I'm very glad I'm first because clearly the biggest thing that needs to change is being able to tell which way's the top um, from easy. I cannot even tell you how many times I've ended up going back to the home screen when I meant to pause or whatever. So please make it easier to immediately recognize which way is up. Please. That's all I ask. That's it. That's all. Wow. Orientation. That is, I mean, really says it all. So I'm going to go a different way here, which is uh, I know people hate the the little touchpad on the Apple TV remote, and there are lots of reasons why you should hate it. However, the one thing that the Apple TV remote does that I've not found on any other remote that I like is the ability to rapidly scrub through a show. So like if I want to put on a talk show and find a guest and I can I can click and then I can swipe to the right and I can watch that little thumbnail go until I find that guest and then click and it starts playing it. It's pretty great. And so if they reconceive the Apple TV remote and boy they should. It's it's not it's not good. I don't like it. Uh and grabbing it the wrong direction is a big reason why I almost said it just needs to be bigger, which is antithetical to Apple, but like just so I can find it and see it and hold on to it. But for me, the functionality that I actually use is that little trackpad, a scrub thing. And I do use it all the time and I like it and I miss it on all other remotes. So I hope they find a way to keep some sort of rapid, uh, you know, selection or scrubbing when, when they revamp this thing. 
Yeah, I agree with the trackpad bit. Uh, I, I kind of want to make this thing more complicated. And, and there's this thing that LG does with their TV remotes, their magic remote, and it's a cursor. And you wave it around like a Wii remote, and you have a cursor in the screen. So I love the concept of the trackpad. I also think it's problematic, and that that's what people have a, a problem with, you know, hitting accidentally. Um, so why not make it more complex? Add a cursor to the TV. Because I think some people, they pick it up and they're not sure what to do until you swipe the cursor part of it, the trackpad part. But if you pick it up and something moves on the screen and you've got a, you know, an iPad looking cursor on the screen, then you know, oh, this is how I do that. And then this is just a big button. Um, and, and maybe make the trackpad bit a little smaller so it's less prone to accidental touches. That's, those are both pretty good. I like the idea of a click wheel. Uh, for the fast scrubbing, like bring back the click wheel from the iPod. Yeah. Um, I do hope they don't get rid of Siri in some fashion or another, because I do find some of the Siri features very helpful on the Apple TV remote, such as the ability to like do the, the what did he say, what did she say thing, where it jumps back and turns the captions on for like ten seconds. I think that's great. Being able to search for stuff on the Apple remote or using Siri is definitely better. Um, and I agree, the fast scrubbing is is really nice. So uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that that's here. But I, and and I don't necessarily want Siri to be the centerpiece of the remote. You should not fall back to like, well, why why bother having remote features when you can do everything with Siri? No, that's not how that works. But it's a nice add-on as well. So Apple, you got your work cut out for you. Thanks for all of that. Let's move on to our second topic, which comes from Kathy. Spring has sprung in the norm- northern hemisphere. Do you spring clean your tech and get rid of things? Or do you have a container of surprise cables that you're keeping just in case? I recently, although it was probably about six months ago, uh, did a uh, sort of like clean out of all of the drawers in my office. So I guess to answer the spring cleaning question, do I do it tied to the season no, no, I don't. I, I, really, what I like to do is have a level of filth, just kind of a build up <laughs> until the point where I reach my breaking point. Season at it, which Jason, point, like a cast iron pan, I have to, I have to clean everything. So I did actually uh, do the thing where I counted up how many USB mini cables I have, and how many Thunderbolt cables I have, and how many, you know, all the different kinds. And then set a, a number of like, I won't keep more than three of these and got a lot of cables that just went out. Just they're gone because that that was, you know, you get a device and it comes with a, a USB cable of some kind. And you're like, all right, well, uh, don't throw away a cable. It could be important. And then you put it in a bag somewhere and you end up with bags and bags and bags of the same cable. So that one I do every so often. Um, and, and that's the big one for me. And then also we have a local like uh, tech uh, tech recycling and place here that I like to take stuff. And that's also kind of a once or twice a year thing. And with the pandemic, I think I've got a bin full of stuff to take there that I need to uh, that has built up over the last year. So so yeah, I really do encourage it too. Like you you have way more cables than you ever will possibly need. And then the other the other mindset I I like to have is if I throw away a cable and I find I need it, what will it cost me and how quickly can I get it? And the answer is almost nothing and tomorrow <laughs> via Amazon. So just get rid of the cables, people. Yeah, I am a religious spring cleaner. Uh, if if you count spring as coming once every eight years. Um, and, so, <laughs> and, and so with doing 9 to 5 Mac for eight, eight years and running now, I've acquired a lot of stuff that just gets sent to my address. 
And um, last year sometime, I, I went through my closet and preparing for a move and I just put out, you know, what is essential that I'll need to, to actually function for work and not just in case. And I gave away a ton of stuff uh, to, you know, my brother-in-law and other family. And that was, that was really useful. And now I've got everything narrowed down to like just one bin. Um, and I think the sign of success of successfully spring cleaning your old tech out is like what Jason mentioned when you realize, oh, I got rid of something that I'll actually need this time. But in some cases, Amazon can give it to you the same day. And I've done that. So whenever I have to order a cable for something, I'm like, okay, that last spring cleaning session, you know, once in a decade, that was successful. Uh, and it feels good. I like how you say once every eight years, like in the stuff that's built up while you've been there, it's like, Zach, it's been almost six and a half years since I worked at Macworld. I still have crap from Mac from when I worked at Macworld. Um, Just put it in a box and send it back. I'm sure they'll love to get it back. <laughs> they'll love it. They'll love it. Uh, you know, it's funny. At the beginning of the pandemic last year, I took Ohan as like figuring, oh, I'm going to be stuck in the office for a while. I should do some cleaning out. And so I filled a giant like Tupperware, Tupperware Rubbermaid bin with... Uh, all my old hard drives that I wiped and like took all the data off of and all these old cables and a bunch of old devices. And then it sat in my office for about a year because the dump got closed <laughs> because of COVID. <laughs> so I finally got rid of it a couple weeks ago because they reopened and it felt great to remove a giant bin of crap that I did not use. And, and you know, the fact that it sat in that bin for pretty much a year and I think I maybe once looked through for something to see if I could find a cable and then was like, you know what, never mind, I'll just get a new one, uh, proves that I don't need them. So I don't tend to do it every spring, but we have a move coming up soon, and I'm sure that we'll clean out a lot of stuff in our office. And frankly, I don't like the idea of the work, but I'm looking forward to the end result. Kathy, why don't you wrap us up here? Yeah, I'm very similar. I have a mental adjustment of I don't need all of these cables. And yet last year at the beginning of COVID, when I went through and like sorted everything, I was like, well, if it fits in this container, I will keep it. Um, that container is now overflowing again. And I probably should just get rid of everything except the super, super long um, internet, ethernet cable thing that I have um, and just get rid of everything else because I don't need 80 US mini micro USB whatever cable I don't I don't know I don't need those so what I'm saying is this was the motivation self-motivation to just get rid of them so thanks friends excellent well that is two topics down two topics left to go which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise and this week's episode is brought to you by privacy.com you know, we all worry about financial privacy online. I have definitely had situations where, uh, you know, I've got alerted to fraud or uh, a couple of years ago, I was on my honeymoon and got like a notification uh, from my bank that my card had been used at a hotel in like near Midway Airport in Chicago. And I'm like, I'm sitting on a patio in Italy. It's definitely not me. <laughs> privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information, so you never have to worry about giving out to people you don't know online. I mean, and that's important, right? Like, because again, we've all run into these sort of uh, issues where you've used your card and you go to a website and you think, oh, God, I saw the padlock there, but I don't know these people. I don't feel really secure about it. Is my number going to end up on one of those lists? Am I going to get fraud alerts while I'm on my honeymoon? Very frustrating since something like privacy can help. Take back control of your payments, decide who can charge your card, how much and how often, and you can close cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. 
And Privacy has partnered with the good folks of 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever you want. Head to privacy.com slash clockwise and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash clockwise and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, that is halftime. Jason, what is your topic? Um, Apple this week announced the dates for its virtual developer conference. Uh, once again, holding the Worldwide Developer Conference virtually. Um, returning to the traditional date of the last week my kids are in school. So thanks, Apple. Um, my question for you, I want a little bit of a forecast, a little crystal ball reading from each of you. And then I want judgment. So will the in-person version of WWDC ever return? Is Apple ever going to bring back a thing where people fly in from all over the world once a year to visit San Jose? And separately, should the in-person developer conference return? Zach? I think that it will end next year, but that what will look different is we'll keep all the precautions of of today where you finally have hand sanitizer you know by every elevator and you you're more considerate about how groups are compacted into a small space and it might not look like wwdc 2019 but i think that it will and it will be an ease back into the normal without Hopefully, without going back fully that that way, but but that I think that is the goal of, of vaccination and, and and everything is is not to get stuck in this this way that we are now, um, not to go fully the other way because there were things that we weren't doing safely before. Um, <laughs> any any empty soap dispenser in a bathroom is is a problem. Uh, so I so I think that they will next year, but that it won't be all at once. Um, and in terms of should we. My gosh, I miss people. And there are friendships that I've made from, from meeting people in person that make it so much richer than, you know, an email or a Twitter interaction, uh, or even, you know, a, a call over the internet. Um, there, there's just something about in-person interaction that takes all the barriers of communication away. And that can last longer than, you know, a hundred tweets <laughs> together. So I, I hope so. Yeah, I agree with Zach. I think it will come back um, for a few reasons. I mean, one of them being humans have gathered for thousands of years. I don't think we're going to stop now, even even after a year of this. And it's not the first uh, pandemic that, that humans have had to deal with. So I think humans are resilient in that way. And there will be some bounce back, though, like Zach says. I think it will take time. And there are lessons to learn, assuredly. I also think particularly because of the way Apple you know, wants to do things, they've already talked about trying to get more people back on campus. And Tim Cook is a real fan of face-to-face -face interactions. I think there's an element of that uh, that translates to WWC as well. I do think there will be some changes, not only in the stuff Zach described in terms of precautions, but I also think it's lucky. I mean, you know, do this in, in California, that's a place you can be outdoors for a lot of things, which makes me wonder if maybe there will be a larger outdoor component to some of the large gathering aspects. I don't know. Maybe that's something they could do. Um, and I, I think that 
it's just something as a whole that does have benefits that aren't necessarily tangible. I do think there will be other changes as well. I mean, we've seen from the virtual stuff, access is a big part of what the virtual WWC has allowed in terms of letting people join from anywhere, having it all be free, everything being available. And I think that's something Apple is going to have to contend with in terms of how it handles that going forward. Even things as simple as like we have sessions of all these different lengths, right? You have a 10 minute session or a one hour session. It's like, how do you deal with that in something that's a in-person and structured? So a lot of questions about what it's going to look like. I don't think it'll look exactly the same, but I do think it will and should return in person at some point. Kathy, what about you? Yeah, I think um, there's, like you both said, there's important in-person um, components to Dub Dub. Uh, but I think I think the progression of getting into the full amount of people that are invited is going to take longer than I think we expect. I think they're going to continue to have um, a strong uh internet-based option. So have different tiers or layers so that the it's not only the people in person that can do the classes or courses or like, obviously you can't do hands-on if you're on the beach in Italy, but you could do um, some of the things that are part of the in-person event. Um, and so I think, I think they're going to kind of look at everything and see how best to allow access to more people, not necessarily just access in person. But I, for one, am going to miss people, even though I'm never going to the actual conference part. I miss that one week that I was there. That was really fun. I like how many uh, people, persons, people, people we have here. <laughs> like, not not one of you is like, I will not miss people, and they should never come back. <laughs> uh, this has been the best year of my life. Now, I, I do think it's going to come back. I think that they could do it exactly the same way as they did in 19, but I don't think they will. I think the online version is so good in in taking... Things that used to be really dry kind of parades of engineers onto stage for various unrelated or, you know, mildly related topics to fill an hour and breaking them down into a bunch of succinct videos that are edited and they're clear and they're as long as they need to be. I think it's hard to go back from that, even though Apple did, you know, they were live streaming events uh, and they were putting up the video recordings later fairly quickly. So people who weren't in San Jose could get a, uh, a really good sense of all of the detail that they're rolling out. My guess is that when it comes back, it'll be scaled back and augmented with more of those videos. I wouldn't be surprised if it might even be only a couple of days of a physical event and then having the rest of the stuff roll out online. But I do feel like at the very least, they're going to want to have a big media event which is essentially what WWDC is anyway, uh, a media event for the launch of their operating systems and all of that. And so does it become like a two-day thing or a three-day thing with more online components and a, a sort of a different way of approaching the whole thing? Maybe, maybe, uh, but I do think it needs to come back. And part of that is wish casting because it absolutely should for all the reasons that especially Zach said, like you really can't be this is the one place that the apple community has now that macworld expo has gone away this is where people see each other in person they make new friends there's nothing like standing on a street corner in in san jose and bumping into somebody who says oh yeah 
I work on the Safari team and uh, I'm working on the feature you wrote about a couple weeks ago. Like that, that happened to me. It's amazing, right? Like you just, it, you'll never have the opportunity to do something like that if it's entirely virtual. So yes, I hope it comes back. I think it will be very different, but I do think that they uh, should bring it back. All right. Thanks for all your opinions about that. I'll see you all not in San Jose in June. Uh, time for our last topic. Zach, bring us home. Yeah. So my, my colleague and, and friend, Mark Herman at, at Bloomberg News, or former colleague at Bloomberg News, uh, has this report out that's really fun that, that Apple's working on a ruggedized version of the Apple Watch, which makes a lot of sense. And so my question to you all is, what other tech products besides the Apple Watch would you like to see ruggedized? Man, this is a tough one. I thought about it a lot because I think that the stylization and the like, the sort of bulkiness that ruggedization often adds, can be a little tricky. Uh, and so I'm going to go with—I don't know if this is even possible. I'm going to go with AirPods. Like, I feel like I, <laughs> I always worry about dropping my AirPods or dropping the case or something like that. And I, I know there are cases for your AirPods case, but a case for a case? What? This is bananas. Instead, I would like to see something a little bit tougher, a little bit more resilient, uh, so I don't have to worry as much about like. You know, that moment, the worst moment, right? And Apple's got that commercial out now that's about this is like when the thing's in your hand and then you fumble it and you're like, oh, no, I can see what's about to happen. Um, and I would just like to have some more of the uh, the anxiety over that taken away from me, especially when I'm fiddling with those AirPods as I take them in and out of the case all the time. That's my thought. Kathy, what about you? I am very glad this is not a draft because I also <laughs> would pick <laughs> AirPods. Um I'm fine with the case on my iPhone. I'm okay, you know, with the iPads and the how rugged those are with the cases. Um, I wouldn't want the phone itself to be ruggedized, mainly because I don't usually like the look. But AirPods, yes, please. I cannot even tell you how many times I've dropped them. Um, and of course, you can't put a case on the AirPods because then they don't fit in the case. So, yes, please make the AirPods ruggedized. And that's just a fun word to say, too. I'm one of those people who uses his iPhone without a case. So <gasps> I'm the wrong person to ask about this. I, I say de-ruggedize all the things. But I, I do appreciate the fact that uh, Apple Watch is actually perfect for this, that there are people who just want it to be a little bit more uh, safe and secure for when they're climbing up a mountain or something like that. And I think it's I think it's a great idea. I don't, I don't know, like I, uh, a ruggedized other Apple product or, or even other tech products, like, I don't know, like a, a Kindle or something like that, I guess. But it just for me, um, I, I, I don't like the rugged products. So I'm going to say, uh, let's ruggedize the Apple TV remote because <laughs> I keep dropping, my cat keeps jumping up and knocking it off the couch arm onto the floor. And, uh, I'm worried that something bad's going to happen to it. Yeah, I, I have seen broken Apple TV remotes shattered. <laughs> it's really sad. Yeah. Um, this, this was kind of tough for me too, because my instinct, um, I have an eight year old daughter and she uses an iPad. And no matter what case I get, she, she always manages to find a way to sneak a crack in the display. So I, I was tempted to say iPad, but, but the, the truth is you can find a really good rugged case for an iPad. And so she also uses a Chromebook for school, which kind of irks me being, you know, nine to five Mac and, and a long, long time user of the Mac. And so, um, but, but I, I thought about it and it's like, you know, a Mac is, is expensive and it's also, you know, it's premium, but it's not that tough. You know, if it takes a, a drop, you can, you, it's, it's a lot to, to do damage to. Um, and I'm not as familiar with Mac cases that are as rugged as like an OtterBox on an iPad. And so 
a younger person focused um, Mac that isn't spec'd out or, you know, those kind of things that, that, that I, I would feel good about teaching my, my daughter how to use a Mac for the first time. Um, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Nice. All right. That is four topics, which brings us to the end of the show. But we've got just enough time for a bonus topic before we get there. However, I want to tell you this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Technology Untangled. You know, we've been inside for a year now. You're starting to listen to the same old podcast over and over again. It's nice to find something new to listen to. And I recently listened to Technology Untangled, hosted by Michael Bird. It's a show that deciphers tech's rapid evolutions with one simple question in mind. What's really going to shape our future? And what's going to end up in the bargain bin with a floppy disk? I listened to an episode about sustainable tech, which is obviously something that's uh, on a lot of people's minds, is how to make your tech more environmentally conscious. And moreover, how you can use tech to improve the life of tech. So for example, one of the things they were talking about was like sort of replacing data transfer eventually, you know, replacing those old copper wires with things like micro lasers that shoot information at incredibly high bandwidth. Just cool ideas of how like how we can move forward and reuse stuff that we've got now or move technology forward so that we're not causing as much damage to the environment. Past guests include people from Google, Sainsbury's, Aston Martin, Red Bull Racing, Nokia, Goonhilly Earth Station, New York Times, and Nokia. And to give you an idea of episode topics, you can expect a deep dive into 5G, which untangles the who, what, whys, and hows of 5G and what it means for you. How supercomputers are helping us with the fight against COVID by sifting through billions of molecules to look for drugs to repurpose, along with AI and the future of jobs and episodes on energy innovation and the mission to Mars, your spoil for choice. Search for Technology Untangled anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Technology Untangled for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, bonus topic time for you really quick. Are you a spring allergy sufferer, Kathy? I maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I do tend to get sinus pressure occasionally, but it tends to be more when we're jumping. So spring in Oregon, um, we'll jump from like really rainy to really sunny within like a two hour span of time. And so that pressure change affects my sinuses. So there's that, but I don't think it's necessarily allergies. A qualified maybe. Uh, something people might not know about me is, uh, I have always have a Kleenex in my pocket <laughs> and I have to travel with them. I am sniffly all the time. So not just spring allergies, but just allergies in general. And in the spring, it is absolutely worse. I um, had uh, a couple of symptoms that I was like really concerned. I was like, is this a is this a medical problem that I've got? And then um, I discovered that I noticed this weird set of symptoms uh, every year in the spring. And I thought, oh... <laughs> Okay, allergies, right? It's just it yeah. Uh, boy, am I ever, Dan. That's my answer. <laughs> a few things uh so I read this in the note this morning and it reminded me that I should start taking my allergy medicine again <laughs> because the symptoms have come back. Mm-hmm. Um I spend my time on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and in Orlando, Florida, and in both places the pollen is just unreal. Um, my motorcycle, it, it's out in the rain. It's out, you know, it's out in the weather. And no matter what, every time I go out in the morning, it's just yellow. Oh, it's got God. a whole layer of yellow <laughs> over it. <laughs> it's like, and, and so that's out there. Um, and then the other thing is, is as absolutely because this is, this is a bad year to have, well, last year too, a bad year to have allergies because every cough or sneeze is, is mm-hmm. kind of suspect. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, that's just another reason to, to, 
be mindful of, of allergies if you have them um, because it, 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 it might concern other people. Yeah, I did exactly that experience this past week where I was like, oh, no, I'm coughing and sneezing. And, and then uh, my eyes started itching. And that was a telltale like, no, it's spring. <laughs> and it jumped ahead a little bit early here because uh, usually I feel like April, early April, it starts late March. We had some warm days and everything's like, oh, warm, blooming. So I've started taking my allergy meds for spring as well. Yeah. Oh, so much fun. But it's pill time. It's pill it's season, pill time. Dan. Pill season. Hey. My favorite season. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the show. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Kathy Campbell. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I like the consistency. Thank you. And uh, Zach Hall, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hi. And Jason, thanks for sitting in, and uh, thanks for helping me remind all of our listeners out there, watch what you say, and keep watching the clock. Bye, Dan. Bye, Bye, everybody. (laughs) 